Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with part one of this message entitled, Propitiation. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Jesus, the crucified one, the one whom you lifted up on Calvary for our salvation. Look to him and be saved all the ends of the earth. Lord, teach us the meaning of the cross. The meaning of the word propitiation. Help us to study that word. Help us to exercise our mind that we will know the basis, the ground of our glorious salvation. Therefore, O Lord, we ask for the assistance of the Holy Ghost upon our hearts and minds. Teach us, O Lord, your truth, that the truth may set us free, that we may go home with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Propitiation. Now, I know it is a difficult word, but you should open the dictionary and find out how to spell it, what the meaning of it. Propitiation. Speaking about the Christ of the cross. Salvation is seen from three angles, three perspectives. Justification, redemption, and now propitiation. This is a neglected and so forgotten doctrine. I wish I could have preached this morning how to have a good sex life, how to make more money, how to get rid of anxiety and all that, how to get better marks in examination. Well, that's not what I'm going to preach. Propitiation, sir. I said it is a forgotten doctrine. It's a doctrine greatly detested, especially by theological liberals. When I use the word liberals, it means those who do not accept the authority of the Bible, those who do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, those who do not believe in hell or heaven, those who do not believe in miracles, those who do not believe in sin, and those who do not believe in God's creating the world out of nothing, those who do not believe in the fall, and so on. That's what we mean when we use the word liberals. So liberal translations like RSV and NEB, RSV means Revised Standard Version, NEB, New English Bible, use the word expiation instead of propitiation. As in King James Version, English Standard Version, New American Standard Version, and so on. So the Greek word hilasterion, which appears in chapter 3 of Romans, verse 25, 
is translated by the liberals by the word expiation. So the first point is, what is the definition of propitiation? Propitiation has to do with offering a sacrifice to an angry God to appease his wrath that he may be favorably disposed to the offerer, the worshiper. That he may be propitious to us, gracious to us. Expiation has no Godward reference. It has to do with cancellation of sins. It has only a man word reference. In other words, expiation eliminates an angry God, angry against human sin. And this word, propitiation, comes from the world of ancient religion. Now, justification comes from the court of law. Redemption comes from the marketplace of business. Propitiation comes from the ancient religion. Many years ago, I was in Bali, a Hindu country in Indonesia. There you see everywhere offerings. People leave for their God. And I saw the offering of one worshiper, a flower and a couple of cigarettes. This worshiper wanted God not to be angry with him for his sin and be gracious to him in view of his offering to God a cigarette. I think it was two cigarettes and a flower. A worshiper through an offering, in other words, appeases God's wrath that he may become gracious to him and bless him. Today, God is not seen as angry or wrathful. God is seen as a kindly grandfather, even a Santa Claus, an indulgent father who always approves all what we do. He's never angry at any time, at anyone. Liberal theologians who reject biblical authority declare that propitiation is not a biblical idea. The truth is, friends, the Bible speaks of a wrathful God on almost every page of the Bible. In the Old Testament, there, there are 20 different Hebrew words used 580 times to express God's wrath against sin of his people. In Romans 1, 18 through chapter 3 and verse 20, we notice Paul speaks of the wrath of God revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. All have sinned against God's law, and all are under God's wrath. Paul is not speaking of a capricious wrath of pagan deities. He speaks of 
holy God stern and settled reaction against evil in man. Edwin Bevan therefore says the idea that God cannot be angry is neither Hebraic nor Christian but something borrowed from Greek philosophy. Rather God is not in Greek philosophy because Greek philosophy speaks about God who is apathetic. He is in other words without feelings. Therefore he is not angry. So also we could say he is not loving either. Yet liberals love a God who is love. And forgiving always. If God is not wrathful, his forgiveness is meaningless. And so also his love. The scriptures teach the wrath of God. Because the wrath points up the seriousness, friends, of sin. God hates sin. With a perfect hatred, Psalm 11 Through God's own propitiation, his wrath is averted and men are brought into a new relationship to God. Jesus himself spoke of hellfire, eternal fire, unquenching fire. The writer to the Hebrews speaks about God as consuming fire. Turn with me to Lamentations. That is, I believe it is right after Jeremiah. Beginning with chapter 3 verse 42. We have sinned and rebelled. And you have not forgiven you have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain without pity. Jeremiah saw how God's people were destroyed by the Babylonians. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. You have made us come and refuse among the nations, all our enemies have opened their mouths wide against us, and so on. Read the entire book of Lamentation, and you see a God who was angry with his people. Psalm 5, beginning with verse 4, You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell, the arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men. The Lord abhors. And you read about Jesus. He also got angry. Mark 3 verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. Revelation 6 verse 16 speaks about the wrath of the Lamb. As well as Revelation 9, 19 verse 15. So we do not believe 
in a God of Greek philosophy, an apathetic God, who is not angry, neither does he love. We believe in the holy God of the scriptures who hates sin and punishes sinners. If God hates sin and punishes sinners, if all men are under God's wrath because all have sinned, how then can anyone be saved from God's wrath? And the answer is given in Romans chapter 3, 24 through 26. There is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by God's grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And now verse 25, whom God displayed publicly, then comes the word hilasterion, a propitiation, or in NIV, sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Number two, God took initiative in granting us propitiatory sacrifice. It is not man, sinful man, comes up with a sacrifice to appease God's wrath. God took initiative in providing us with a sufficient propitiation to deal with all our sins. In pagan religions, man brings an offering to appease God's wrath. In Christianity, it is not man propitiating God. In one sense, it is not even the Lord Jesus Christ who propitiates God's wrath. It is God the Father who took the initiative according to his own predeterminate counsel to appease his own wrath that he may be gracious to us for giving our sins. Jehovah Jireh, God provides. Especially God provides for our salvation. God himself takes initiative in this propitiatory process. So we read whom God presented. Whom God publicly displayed as propitiation. In this propitiation, initiated and provided for by God, God's wrath and God's love for sinners meet. God's holiness and God's love meet on the cross. God is holy. He must punish sinners. God is love, so he does not want to punish sinners. He punishes a substitute in their stead. He punishes his own son, the sinless Jesus Christ. To this substitutionary propitiation, the Old Testament sacrificial system pointed. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 17, and verse 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it the blood to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And we read in the famous verse that we all know, John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his son in death. 
in sacrificial death to make atonement for our sins. Or turn to chapter 4 of Romans. The last verse. He was delivered over to death. Who delivered him over? God the Father delivered him over to death. Look at Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, we are told that he was slain from the foundation of the world. Or turn to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. Here we read, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as propitiation for our sins. He last must. That's the correct translation here in Ivy as atoning sacrifice for our sins. God sent his son. Number three, we are told that God presented him publicly displayed his son as propitiation. He put him forward. He exhibited him to the whole intelligent world to look at him, to consider him, and to ask why this exhibition, why this one has been crucified. Why Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Son of God, the innocent one, was crucified. This is public declaration. So take a look at chapter 3 of Romans, verse 21. Now, but now, a righteousness from God apart from law has been made manifest. That is speaking about the cross on Calvary's hill. Remember the story in Numbers 21. People murmured, people sinned, and God sent poisonous serpents to bite them. And they were dying, and then they cried out. And God gave a solution to make a brazen serpent and lift him up. So that all people who turn and look at this brazen serpent may be healed. So... Jesus Christ himself speaks about his own crucifixion in chapter 3 of Romans and, and verse 14. And we read, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Made manifest for all intelligent beings in the universe. John chapter 8 and verse 28 and here we read so Jesus said when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the father has taught me John 12 and verse 32 and here we read but when I am lifted up from the earth, God, the Father, is lifting him up. Firstly, I will draw all men unto myself. So he is displayed 
publicly in the midst of the universe in time and space on Calvary's hill. For intelligent beings, I said, to consider him and ask the question, why this? Evil angels consider him. Holy angels consider him. Think about this. Action God the Father took in reference to his son. Consider the one who is lifted upon the cross. All people of the world, every sinner, consider Jesus Christ crucified. So St. Peter tells us in Acts 2 and verse 23, This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. God handed him over. God delivered him. He publicly displayed him on the cross for his own glory. That the Greek text tells us. He publicly displayed him on the cross for his own glory. That his righteousness be displayed in this exhibition of his son on the cross. God is declaring that he hates sin, that he punishes sin, that he does not ignore sin or pass over sin forever. God is glorified when he punished our sin in his son. And this was also the son's prayer. John 12, beginning with verse 27, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. So the cross, the public display of God's Son on the cross brings glory to God's name. Father displayed him for the world as propitiation, sacrifice of atonement. All have sinned, wages of sin is death, the soul that sinneth it shall die, unless a God-given sinless substitute dies in our stead. We must die. We must suffer the fullness of God's wrath against sin. The whole sacrificial system teaches us propitiation. The removal of God's wrath by a sacrifice that God may be propitious to us. Forgiving all our sins and restoring us to favor and fellowship. So the sacrificial system. We are told without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But whose blood to be shed? Whose death ensures the appeasing of God's wrath is the question. The writer to the Hebrews tells us very clearly, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The blood of all the bulls and goats, sheep and rams and lambs shed throughout the Old Testament era pointed to the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist told the people, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. John says, He is the propitiation for our sins, not only for our sins, 
but also for the sins of the whole world. Look at the day of atonement in Leviticus chapter 16. Look at the sin offerings offered on that day for the sin of Aaron and his family and also for the sins of all Israel. Aaron the high priest properly washed and dressed goes into the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle with incense and blood of the sin offerings of a bull and of a goat. He goes into the most holy place only on the day of atonement. There is the ark with its golden cover on either end of which was cherubim whose wings overshadowed the golden lid called kiporet or in Greek the word we find here in 325 hilasterion mercy seat. In the ark was tablets of God's commandments which man has broken. So man is guilty and God is angry. God is seen as enthroned above the golden cover, the mercy seat. Now here comes the high priest. He sprinkles the blood of the sacrificed animals upon the cover, the mercy seat. Now there is blood all over the lid and in front of it, the picture, friends, is this. God looks down from above the blood-sprinkled cover of the ark, the mercy seat. He sees the blood of a substitute, a substitute given by God himself. The guilt of sin, therefore, is removed by the death of the substitute. The wrath of God is averted. God is now gracious to us to forgive and restore us into favor and fellowship. The sins of Aaron and the people of Israel forgiven. And you read that in Leviticus 16 and verse 34. This word, mercy seat, is the place of propitiation. And this word appears seven times in Leviticus 16. Two times in verse 2, one time in verse 13, two times in verse 14, and two times in verse 15. Seven times. The word in the Septuagint, hilasterion, propitiation, or place of propitiation. Who is this God-given substitute whose death averted God's wrath against us? Whose death removed our sins from God's sight? It is Jesus Christ whom God publicly displayed on the cross as our propitiation. Yes, he is our mercy seat. He is our sinless high priest who lives forever. He is the God provided victim who offered himself on the altar of the cross to appease God's wrath against us and became and became our eternal savior. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Book of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 speaks about a kinsman redeemer Jesus Christ that's what he is in his incarnation, that he may redeem us. But look at verse 17, the word propitiation, to propitiate appears here. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that 
he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God in dealing with things pertaining to God in behalf of us. Notice that he might make atonement, that he might propitiate, that's the word, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Look at chapter 2 and verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. He is the propitiation. He is the sacrifice of atonement. And he tasted death in behalf of us. And so we read in chapter 3, verse 25, God presented him, publicly displayed him as propitiation through faith in his blood. That's the fourth point, in his blood. Paul tells us that this propitiation was objectively achieved by virtue of Christ's blood poured out in his sacrificial death. Christ's shed blood is the means by which God's wrath is propitiated. The blood defines that in which the propitiatory sacrifice consisted. The blood outpoured proves death has occurred. And in John chapter 10 he speaks five times. That I will lay down my life for the sheep. And in John 19. Chapter 34 tells us. That all the blood was drained out of him. And look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Here is a statement. By St. Paul, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. A strange expression. With his own blood there means blood of God. And First Peter, let's turn to the book of Hebrews and then First Peter, Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, notice, by the blood of Jesus. And First Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ a lamp without blemish or defect in other words propitiation was achieved by the blood of Jesus Christ by the blood not of you but of Jesus Christ by the blood of a substitute. Let's praise God. So number five. It says Jesus Christ is our substitute. Jesus Christ died. 
he is our substitute he is the sinless son of god he is our propitiation you read isaiah 53 you find immediately that jesus christ is our substitute the lamb of god who taketh away the sin of the world let's turn to second corinthians 5 and learn something that is stated there verse 14 For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. We died in Jesus Christ. And chapter 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 that God was reconciling men's sins against uh, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. But then what happened? Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Turn with me to uh, to 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. And here we read he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness and by his wounds we are healed first peter 3 verse 18 for christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous uh, to bring you to god he was put to death in the body but made alive by the spirit in christ friends the wrath of god against us sinners vanishes because the wrath of god in its fullness descended on christ our god given substitute who cried out from the cross my god my god why hast thou forsaken me so as isaac returned home with great joy we also can go home with great joy to live forever and ever John Bunyan was very anxious about his salvation and God gave him this idea Sinner thou thinkest that because of thy sins and infirmities I cannot save thy soul but behold my son is by me and upon him I look and not on thee and will deal with the according as i am pleased to with him sir friends we are accepted in the beloved christ died in our place and for our sins we are propitiated in christ's blood not ours then god sees the blood of his son Jesus Christ he passes over our sins because they are punished fully in him Jesus Christ friends is our passover and our propitiation this propitiation has four aspects friends first the offense the sin the guilt to be taken away second the offended party here god must be pacified atoned and reconciled third the offending person pardoned and received by god fourth a sacrifice offered to make atonement friends christ died sin cancelled god's wrath 
appeased and disappeared and we are forgiven and restored so turn to the book of Ephesians and take a look at chapter 2 and verse 13 and it says here but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near nearer you cannot be brought near to God's kingdom to God's family we are brought near in God and God is in us what a blessing it is God demanded propitiation and thank God he provided propitiation no wonder friends Paul gloried in the cross 1st Corinthians chapter 1 verse 23 let us read this and now you understand why he gloried in the cross of Jesus Christ we preach Christ crucified we preach Christ as our atonement and as our propitiation chapter 2 of 1st Corinthians and verse 2 for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1 take a look at this those who preach the gospel this is what we do we lift Jesus higher you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed placarded as crucified look at chapter 6 of Galatians and verse 14 may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and number 6 the purpose of this propitiation and number 7 the effect of this propitiation I'll speak this evening Heavenly Father help us not to glory in our riches in our power in our fame in our children in our husbands in our beauty in our houses in our cars in our gold in our silver Lord help us to understand propitiation Hilasterion, Kiporets, sacrifice of atonement, Christ crucified in our behalf. Our sin and our guilt has been removed. The wages of sin is death, and someone did die. God's Son, Jesus Christ. Not only for our sins, but this, for the sin of God's elect of all the world. Help us to glory in the cross. You have lifted him up, publicly displayed for all the world to see. And thank you for opening our eyes. We lifted our eyes. We looked unto him who was crucified. And we are saved. Our blood is not shed. We are like Isaac. Oh, what joy. Yes. Hallelujah. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved forever. And we are saved forever. Hallelujah. 
not only our sins are forgiven be you have restored us to favor and fellowship brought us near to god near to his kingdom into it into your family we were the prodigals who went away hating you went away but in your mercy you brought us back and you received us into your family into a life of celebration life of joy life of happiness lord help us to preach jesus christ and him crucified help us to glory and boast in jesus christ and him crucified in jesus name amen you have been listening to grace and glory audio on part one of the sermon entitled propitiation Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.